Um, before we start our discussion, I just want to ask, has anyone read the Martin Scorsese article that just came out? Mm -mm. Is it about the cranes are flying? No. Paul, did you read it? I did not. The Martin Scorsese one that I, I thought I, I wait, thought I shared oh, it with you. Wait a minute. I did. I um why am I I'm blanking. I don't know. I don't know why. Essentially he um well it is interesting because he was kind of talking about what we are trying to do with the show, which is that he feels that um we cinema is kind of slowly dying because we are entering a stage where it's just um content 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 and there's just there's just so much of it and it's just contents being made for content's sake um with all the streaming platforms rather than you know an auteur like um Karamets, uh Karamatsov coming around and you know doing poetry and telling telling the story it's just there's just so much money going on right now and it's just there's just so much content so it's cinema's kind of being buried and then he went on to talk about what he believed real cinema was and the um subject of his article was federico fellini who's been a director that we've covered multiple times on this show um and how he believed fellini shaped him as a director and changed cinema but in the lead up to talking about fellini he talks about all these films that he felt felt like shook cinema up big time and how he saw them how when back in the day when he was a kid he could walk around new york and on one block a fellini film would be playing and on the next block um you know uh, uh what's his name a cassavetes film would be playing and then on the next block the cranes um are flying would be playing so it's just interesting that we have this film and then this article just came out the other day and he talks about the film that we're about to discuss um so if anyone hasn't read that article, I think it, it somebody's dying above me right now. Um, if anyone hasn't read that article, I recommend it. It's uh, basically what we're trying to do with the show, which is bring more attention to cinema. Um, with all that said, who would like to start? I would. Okay, Chris, start us off. I think this film does so much and should not have been made in 1957. I constantly had to remind myself, like, oh, no, this is made in the 50s. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, the the techniques they're using, the acting, the framing, literally everything in this film, I was like, what the, where, where has this film been in my, in my filmic life? And for that reason, I'm going to give it the respect it deserves. Mr. Mikael is going to receive uh once the swift polling our glorious sponsors uh catches up to me uh, i'm going to give this film the masterpiece ranking it deserves with a 9.1 well done well done well done yeah mr scavera coming My in hot yes god this movie was so fucking good yeah wow um w sorry remind me the code i i it just two two four three four Okay, Chris, who are you passing it to? I'm going to pass it to Aaron because I'm curious to see what his experience was. Ah. Yeah, he's got a bit of a poker face at the moment, huh? Yeah. Mm. Yes, pokery. Mm. Um, you know, this this film was interesting. Uh, the, I mean, if a film makes me cry, mm. you know, that, that says it all. And I don't know how this film gripped me because the tears came out of nowhere. I was like... You know, when when we when she finds out that he's dead in that room, that didn't hit me. 
But when she's in the crowd with the flowers, yep, yep, that fucking hit me. That Thank hit me you, somewhere where I didn't even know. You know, it was like I had no tears. In fact, I was a little critical of her, of the execution of that first moment of how she found out. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then the crowd scene just, I don't know, captivated me. So with all that said, I am going to be giving this one a 8.6. Wow. 8.6. All right. Mm -hmm. Not quite a masterpiece for me, but yeah. there were a few things that bothered me through the film where I was like, uh, but there's so much to talk about. So I'm excited. Who are you passing to? Oh, Yoshi. Okay. Yoshi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I respect your score, Aaron, but I just, I really thought you were going to respond to it kind of in the similar fashion how Chris did. And I'm a, I'm a bit surprised. I felt like this, I was even saying to Zuzu as we were watching, I was like, finally a masterpiece for Aaron because this is yeah. like all over it. Like this, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen better cinematography. Like we might've found some of the best cinematography ever. Like mm -hmm. it was, I was blown away. No, I was, it was like, Oh, crane fun. shot. Aaron's going to fucking explode. <laughs> like, Oh, this, that boom. So right. I'm a bit surprised and I'm, I'm curious to see why it got, an 8.6 for you and not a masterpiece because for me this is cinema this is what the show is all about finding little gems like this masterful cinematography masterful acting masterful directing uh, i cried as well it was extremely moving and we're going to get into all that but my ranking for the cranes are flying is a 9.3 oh there's some sanity on this show there we go <laughs> there we go master level i'm just course. very happy that chris gave it a 9.1 that that fills me with lots of joy paul it was a good movie deserved it oh man you know we've let's see for everyone's benefit we have uh, dipped our toe into russian cinema waters and i probably should have plunged in a long time ago when i was at university there was a class our, our university was on the semester uh structure but if mid-semester you were having trouble with a class and had to drop it, there were a few classes offered that were half semester. One of them was Russian civilization. And I took it and it opened my mind a little bit, a little too much emphasis, at least for me. I didn't really have an interest in history at that time, but of course it got to Russian history. When we got to Russian culture, I remember the professor saying, oh yes, Russian cinema. I would love to talk about that, but I need a whole year. It went through one ear and out the other. I'm like, I don't know what the hell he means. You know, keep taking notes. But um, I don't know who brought this film to us. If this just originated inside of you organically, Yoshi, wherever. But uh, this movie for me uh, hit all the notes. It's already been said. Let me just hit the hit, let me hit the send button now. Uh, so that we recognize the cranes are flying as a go boy. There we go. There we yeah! go. Yeah. Nine point three. Let's this go, is Paul. yeah. I, Aaron, you were so right. So I, right. For a moment, I thought I was. Oh, is this like the only hollow note in the? And then all of a sudden, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, this the is a deeply stirring movie and the, the performances across the board are extraordinary everything leading up to the final you know truck 
proclamation. Uh, you know, we feel like his life has been saved when he, you know, uh, and I, God, I don't know the character's name, um, but he makes the, the major proclamation. Is it Stepan? Is it? Is Stepan, it, yeah. Stepan makes that, hugs, uh, you know, hugs Veronica and, and, uh, and then stands up there and, and just has a, a statement about war that. So I, not true. that's it all right yeah yeah okay chris well the the final score is a (laughs) 9.1 wow okay so for the first time in a long time a new film enters our top five this is gonna be chris gets the point baby oh nice chris so uh, just to recap, right now, still at number one, The Master. Number two, Cries and Whispers. Now tied for third, mm-hmm. City Lights, and the cranes are flying. Um, wow. So our, only our fourth ever unified nine and above film is this one. So that's yes. great. That's um, yeah, so much to talk about. I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now, guys, and it's two pages long. So buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a big one. Um, so let's just let's just take our time here. Let's just pace ourselves. There's a lot to unpack here. Well, I'm gonna um, go pee then. Okay. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Goodbye. Um. So, first of all, uh, had anyone heard of this director before? No, I never heard of this film either. Yeah, yeah the cranes are flying. Is, is again, it was mentioned in that article by Scorsese, and I've I've heard about it a few times, but not much talk about it, considering how good it is. Um, and I honestly didn't know Mikhail Kalatosov before this, but I can't wait to watch his other films because I was so blown away by what he pulled off. And right off the top, I think we should just mention Sergei Yurisevsky, the cinematographer. I mean, between Yurisevsky and Kalatosov, uh, they created some of the most interesting shots I've ever seen in film. And a few of them, I have no idea how they did it. Like, I just uh, sat there yeah. and tried to figure out what they did, and I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right, which, Paul? Which, no, 100%. Which... I, 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 I was leaning on you guys because I said, this is going to be, you either do a deep dive and find out how the hell we moved a camera that seems to just pass by people's faces still yeah. holding our lead actresses and we get the emotional flow of what's going on. And she, she, it's, you know, it's funny because Michael Caine did a video series uh, back in the eighties. He was in his fifties that people have made fun of, but he hits, everything he says is, is solidly true. If you're, you know, trying to carve out a career as a film actor and he talks about the camera as the lady and the lady will never always loves you and cares about you. And it is so clear that three decades before Michael Caine decides to disclose his acting techniques to actors, if they wanted to make it, you know, to use it, she, she know like the camera's there. It's this, it's almost more than a lady. It's just like the spiritual force. It's just sort of following along and it's there. And I said, I have no idea, but I know that Yoshi and Aaron will explain to me how that was captured. And well, let's, let's start with the, the stairwell circling shot since it was oh, a film. I mean, God. that's the one that really um, I'm talking about the most is like, how, how, how did they do that? They're going, he's running up the stairs for the audience. Um, and the camera is in the middle of the staircase. How, how do you, what is that kind of a staircase called? It's like a square. 
staircase. It's like a spiral staircase almost. Very a spiral, yeah. Um, but the guy's running up the stairs at a very fast speed, and the camera is in the middle so that it can turn with the character at all 360 degrees going up and up and up and up, and I have no idea how they did it. Yeah, they must have had one of those um, the crane things that lift straight up, you know? Did they have Let's flying find out. cranes? Did they have huh? flying cranes? Did they hire flying cranes? Yeah, I mean, they are flying. They hired a flying crane. They attached it and <laughs> went all that's the way what up. the movie. Why it's called that? Because yeah, they actually it. had a crane that picked up cameras for them and flew. Yeah. Well, that's so think... funny. If that was like a secret, a secret like inside joke, like that they, they just, just use a bunch of crane shots and like Dude, the cranes are flying in this movie. Hey oh. <laughs> But it is. It's probably used with a crane or some kind of push, push uh, one of those things in Costco, you know, that you see it like extends way out. Um, but it so went up I, stories. It, it, I'm, I'm tempted. 50, 60 feet. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find it behind the scenes. There's a, there's a lot of theories about how they did it. Well, while you look for that, um, let's just go ahead and just say it. That shot that's going up, following him up. And then you get the mirroring of that at the end of the film when he's dying and he's looking up at the first, it, it was the, the sun, which is like, it's I just, man, I just felt so much there. Like not intellectually, I just felt so much, but like he's falling back and we're at the sun and then we pan away out really fast away from the sun. And then yeah. it's the trees that are circling. And I couldn't help but think about how the staircase is the spiral going up. So he's like beginning his life, you know, he's like in love and it's all positive and he's moving upwards in a spiral. And then his death is that very same spiral, but down. Yeah. And it's like a mirroring of those two shots. I just feel like this director had had some knowledge about fractals or, or the golden ratio, the Fibonacci sequence with this with this shot. Yeah, it was so disorienting. And I've never seen the camera used in that way, particularly with the sun where you, you zoomed out. So the zoom, the sun got farther and that it just felt like you were descending, you know, you were dying with him and I've never seen that technique used. And now it's like, I can't unsee that. Like that is such a powerful, a powerful way to explain somebody, you know, passing on, or maybe these are the last images he's seeing and it's, you know, didn't it feel like authentic as to what it might you actually might see in that disorientation of death? Like yeah. it just felt like that might be exactly how you see the world in that moment. Well, yeah, you hit it. That's a great point, Yoshi. That's a because uh, you're describing the beauty, and uh, it made me uh, it made that scene very emotional for me because uh, it's not something you'd get, you know, in war if you were shot in the head. It'd be, you'd be seeing something, but he sort of died as you said the death spiral which i didn't even consider but got to see like wow the sky where i'm going there i'll be going to the sky or whatever was going through his mind it was very beautiful very tender yeah and then the trees for me were like mm. uh, whenever i see like naked trees like that it just makes me think of like the nervous system in our body mm. and like if you just look at like the nerves going up a hand or the nerves that are connecting our brain like it, it, they look exactly like naked trees like that, like those little nerves, those nerve endings. So it just felt like he was really like he, that this director has a real understanding of nature and how nature works and how he was able to capture these shots. 
Yeah. The big thing for me in this movie was that it, it's something that we've talked about before. There's a, there's a very fundamental difference between this movie and the earrings of Madame Day. The earrings of Madame yes. Day felt like they were putting on a stage play. Like, yeah, there were some nice camera movements and whatever. Like, there was some inventiveness. But a lot of it was just very wide medium shots. You got the scene. Everyone hit their marks. Cheated slightly to camera. This movie, the camera was a character. Like, you got to see what a person was thinking about. You got a full-on close-up. Eye lines were hit between multiple characters. People walked out of eye lines, came into eye lines. Like, there was not a shot in this film where I, I didn't think that the director had thought about it a bunch and, like, purposely put the camera in this moment to show. I mean, even when she's running through crowds, there is a literal moment where the camera just starts doing this, and then it focuses on her feet, and then it goes back into doing it. It's like, how many times did you have to, like, try that or, like, step it out? Like, you could, you could see the love and the emotion in every frame of this movie. It was so, it was so nice. It was so refreshing. Yeah, I think that you make you make a great point, Chris, in in that what was missing from the the earrings of Madame Day, poetry, soul, love, heart, and that's what this film has at its very core, its very very essence. Um, but if we're talking about shots, we might as well go on to the shot that Paul led led the conversation off with. Is that one shot that starts with um, uh, what's his name? Our main character here. Let me go to the cast. Boris. Uh, Boris. Boris. It starts Boris. with Boris. Um, it starts with a shot under him, and then he climbs the fence to get a better perspective. Now the camera's over him, mm-hmm. and this is the beginning of a very long one shot that essentially encapsulates every little emotion between all these different types of people when one of their loved ones is about to leave for war. And it just goes through the audience, one face at a time, very tight, yeah. very close to their faces, yeah. while Boris is running or was it was it Boris or was it her that uh, Veronica was trying to find him and they didn't they didn't meet but the one shot followed followed him or her him because he was looking for her because the whole thing the whole crux of it was he left the note in the basket of the Mm -hmm. the squirrel that she never found so she didn't go see him well the sister never told her yeah that well that's that's a whole that's a whole nother thing that bitch I'm sure I'm sure Yoshi's gonna get into (laughs) what I, I as I was watching this, I'm like Yoshi or someone is going to have this take that this was the Stalinistic uh, uh, masculination of women, as 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 fo- fortured by this her sister or her her sister-in-law rather sister, yeah. the the doctor because she didn't know uh-huh. as as she was crying because they find out that Boris is dead she comes over with a a, sp- uh, a spoon and a cup and it's like I don't know why this isn't working women right. And I was just like, is that just like Wait, a... So when, I'm when not the... following. I'm not following. In the, the scene where Boris, the child, comes in, okay, the yes. doctor, who is a woman, who was previously shown to be in a woman's garb, is now in the garb of right. a masculine-looking Red Army uniform. Oh, even right. taking on the glasses that you see the doctor er, and her father wearing, and she can't be a very basic mother because she can't Right. provide motherly services because she's trying to do something i don't know what but i thought that either you or someone was going to have a hot take of like oh that's her being less of a woman now interesting that is mm-hmm. that's i didn't i didn't catch that no but thank yeah. god you did i mean that's interesting yeah he, he, she was trying to cause like a distraction or something yeah almost like distraction like war is almost a distraction of exactly like sound. um uh 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, it's it, it felt like what for a little historical context, Soviet Union up till this point was really only producing films about either patriotic films because of Stalin um, or films about the collective. And what this film did was it brought the Soviet Union back to a place of storytelling that it was about the person, about the individual, about the human instead of the collective. And so as far as history, uh, historic cinema is concerned for the Soviet Union, this film broke that whole thing open. And this was only a couple years after the end of the war, a few years. Um, and there was now these moments in their culture that were opening up. Like there was a whole culture movement of teenage of the teenage life and, and of finding love going on in the Soviet Union that wasn't even available before. So this is a real shift in consciousness for the Soviet Union. And this was a huge moment, really, historically speaking, for not only cinema, but for the Soviet Union and the role it played about bringing the story back to the individual and not the collective. Um, and really bring the story to the ignored factor of war, which is instead of doing a film about the actual battle itself, what about the people left behind? Which means what about the woman? What is the woman perspective here? And that's what we see in this film, I think. Is this yeah. film not about how to be a good Soviet citizen though? I mean there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of imagery that would that would suggest that because like you get the I mean the argument between the father and that soldier is pure propaganda. Mm -hmm. Is the the uh and the the characterization of Mark as like a not only just like a terrible man, but like a, a terrible mm. human being of just like, you know, oh, you let everyone else pick up your problems and what do you have? Nothing. And you, you pay and you do this and like, ultimately he's not charged, but like he's shunned by society as like an example, you know? And like, even at yeah, the end, it's, it's... She, she internalizes her, her loss and focuses on the people, focuses on the victory of the collective rather than herself. Interesting. Yeah, that's how Boris goes to war. It's like putting yeah. him, putting the country before himself. And um, yeah, I mean, like, but is it promoting that, Paul? Chris, is it promoting well, I, that? I, to I'd say so. I'd, I'd say to was, agree. Yeah. I thought it was more illuminating it than promoting it. Well, I mean, again, you get news the Germans are invading. Uh, it's 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 almost like Boris knows in the back of his mind if if that comes, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to war. I'm signing up and. It's what I must do for the country. Um, is it illuminating? Uh, you know, I could, I can that's, see. You that's, know, that's fascinating that you guys had that perspective. I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I saw it differently. I don't, maybe Aaron can can chime in here, but I saw it more of like, you know, like the cranes are flying. Let's. What is that? I mean, ah, it's well, like, yeah. it's the planes or the cranes. The planes being, you know, signifiers of man-made war cranes being signifier of nature and so it's like the cranes fly at the beginning when they're in love and then at the very end so i thought that that was a moment of like acceptance um but also like a celebration that the war is over and so that it can get back to nature and that she took that moment to instead of sulk in her sorrows um recognize the opportunity to i don't know focus on the people around them and, and share love but then me just saying that almost makes me prove your point chris in the sense that 
it's about the collective again at the end of the day. Yeah. Or, or, well, that specifically is really her love. I mean, she's, you know, we're given moments that if they're not handled right by the director, by the performers, the writer, like if a, if a small child comes and she saves a small child, it's revealed he's Boris. Um, we have moments where we know like, oh, this is the moment where Mark is now going to steal Veronica's love. He's going to do something redemptive that now captures, but it never comes. And what's revealed is that, uh, is the Russian way of the Stalinist Russian way of doing things. We're paying the favor trade and how we move along in, in society and, uh, the cranes, you know, for me, and because we started early on in 2020, you know, with our, our discussion of birds and, you know, the cranes also are, once they find a partner, that's a partner for a very, very long time. And mm. they generally, when they, you know, I think the, you know, cranes, I think generally are kind of solitary once they find their partner or find their flock, they will migrate together. So for me, that moment, that image at the beginning, image at the end, which interestingly, you're not wrong, Yoshi, because you're, it's in that V formation, which we, of course, all associate with the, you know, whether it's the Blue Angels or, you know, hey, we started, we started the podcast today talking about IMAX. And I know that the society can't wait for Top Gun 2. And uh, Chris has already wrote, written a, a lengthy article deconstructing Top Gun 2. He's had uh, first mm -hmm. chance to see it. And uh, it's actually in the Variety article on Dead Cinema Society for the uh, betterment of our viewers and listeners. You can go to it now. Um, Friend of the show, we, Jack, in the film. Exactly. Exactly. So no, I think it was, um, that's what I loved about it. It was just sort of touches, just just like her, the, the flame never went out. She, 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 he's not dead. I'm waiting to see him. Are we going to see him? No, we see, uh, and I forget his name again. Uh, uh, step on, uh, step on, step on, yeah, step on, step on at the end. Step on, uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> duh. So, yeah, I mean, well, um, okay, well, I, Aaron, why don't you interject here? I mean, uh, I um, guess to, to just to, to to overview what just happened there, I had more of the experience that um, this was the Soviets getting away from their collective way of thinking. And Paul and Chris saw it the exact opposite way. How did the film leave you feeling? Wow. I mean, you guys both hitting me with like these opposites create such a, a duality in myself. Cause I, I don't know how, I, cause I literally can see it both ways. I can see how this is camaraderie. Look what going to war for your country does. It creates, um peace and unity at the end or how about the perspective of of all the people left at home to salvage what's left after a war and to deal with all their losses and i personally don't know how to answer that um yeah i, I might carry the conversation into something that i found was very interesting about the film which was sure. the life death and rebirth of boris in Boris, the child yeah. and in that sequence where we're going down this road where we're starting to get anxiety with her we we're starting to see spinning trees and the flipping of the feet and we're like oh my gosh she's gonna throw herself in front of this train and she at the last minute sees this child about to get run over and she she like sacrifices her idea of what she wants to do to take her own life and saves a life and she ends up saving the life of a kid named Boris, which is so interesting because 
the Boris, her love Boris just passed away. But now there's a child rebirthing of Boris that she can love that actually ends up saving her life. So I'm wondering if the spirit of Boris goes into this child to save her from killing herself. And if, yeah, I had I had the same. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, I had the same question because she she asks what his age is. And the only utility of that question, as far as I can tell, because she's like three years and three months, very specific. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's like, oh, that's probably the last time she saw him three years, three months ago, or maybe the moment mm -hmm. he died. Yeah. So it's like literally point. Boris reincarnate. Uh, yeah, and I love that. And uh, you guys touched on the cranes and what the cranes mean, and it could be a V for victory. It could be all kinds of things. But there's something I, I've experienced in my own life where somebody significant in your life may pass away, and and they might show up in nature or in a bird or in some kind of symbol of life where you're recognizing, like in our in my own family, we had somebody pass away. And there was a hummingbird that came to visit my family and they took significance in that moment that the hummingbird was her coming back to say goodbye, you know? And to me, those cranes kind of symbolize like Boris um, in the end, you know, it's like, I'm here with you still. Like you can take on this spirit of me and, you know, the love we shared and, and continue on with your life. You don't need to sacrifice yourself and come find me in the afterlife. You know, you, you need to live out your life. Yeah. I can't, I can't help but think about, uh, there's, there's no way it's a coincidence that cranes and planes sound so similar and they fly in the same formation. I mean, it's the, the hidden meaning of the, of the movie, I think is somewhere with, within that. But, uh, do we, do we, uh, I mean, I sympathize with Veronica, right? What is I keep saying? Veronica. What is it? Veronica. 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 Okay. Veronica. Veronica. Veronica with a K. I sympathize with her because it's like this. It's probably it's, there's so many people with the same story in the sense that war comes, this useless thing that comes and and <clears throat> it completely brainwashes everyone to the point where these women are like, wait a minute, like, why does all this other stuff matter? Like, uh, I thought it was just me and you, like, it, it's just me and you, right? And now you're like, wrapped up in all this, this ideology that you're supposed to go like, save your country and all these people go off and like, die. And it's like, he's painted as this like noble guy. But if I'm her, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit pissed. Um, and seems like Boris is like moving too fast to see the life around him and its value. For example, when he's trying to leave, the grandmother's like, oh, like I might die. Do you realize that like, I might, I, you might not see me again? Is that not computing to you? And then like, and then same with um, Veronica. It's like, but it's my birthday tomorrow. Yeah. And, he, and, and, and Boris, it just, everything's going over his head. He's moving so fast, which is why I think the symbology of the clocks in the film has a big part to do with it too that he's not stopping to smell the roses like he, he's he's wrapped up in his intellectual mind and what he thinks he needs to do and really like the family around him that's why that shot of the father after he leaves sitting at the table is so devastating to me because like in the moment the family has to like somewhat put on a guise of like support um but 
you don't realize the the wreck you're leaving the way in in the wake of your disappearance like what you do to so many people it's like actually like villainous in a sense like you're walking out this door and you're never going to see that image of your dad sitting at that table just thinking to himself i just lost a son you know yeah, it almost feel, like, yeah it almost feels like that was uh i don't know i'm probably i'm reading into it too much but i i i think that's what makes that that moment very compelling for me because he's i i i grew up at a time you know in the 70s when you had cold war you had or the you know the threat of icbms landing in our country um i don't know what it was i mean for me boris uh personified what it might be like to carry the fatherland the motherland message that as a little boy he grew up as a little boy and his dream was one day to for anything from other russia and yeah it just seems to capture it so wholeheartedly that yeah it, it does uh because it's rare like uh you know i recently had someone over who told me that he dodged the uh the draft here in the united states for the vietnam war he just he got the notice and he just threw it away nobody ever came knocking on his door i'm like wow really and uh <laughs> I go, wow, no, no trips to Canada or anything like that. I'm like, okay, that's kind of wild. Um, but He's uh, like, yeah, I just didn't go. I, I didn't know. go. It was I'm fine. Like, wow, wow. You know, like, they said go to Vietnam. I said no. <laughs> that's it. Don't want to go. It. <laughs> For some reason, they were like, uh, okay, nobody's ever said no before, but right. fine. You don't have to go. <laughs> yeah. Turns out this whole time, like there was like a secret clause that nobody saw. You just had to say no. <laughs> you're like, shit. <laughs> We also um, done it, you know. Did anyone notice the statue on Boris's desk? I wasn't sure who that was a little statue of. It looked Lenin. like Lenin. Was it Lenin? It was Lenin. So yeah, so he was he was possessed by the ideology of of patriotism for sure is what that was. Yeah. Um I want to bring attention to the the last supper scene if you will, um mm -hmm. when the family's, you know, eating for the last time with Boris and um you have this wonderful shot of the entire family together kind of encompassed by that lamp above them it seems to be like almost holding them in a frame but in the background you have the grandmother a little out of focus babushka for, for me though all of the action of that scene was actually in the grandmother's eyes because he gives her a drink to toast and she's kind of like what are we celebrating here and she kind of has the drink and she's watching boris very intently and she noticed she know the whole stories in her eyes of seeing Boris so emphatically take that drink and like be so happy to go. And the grandmother just doesn't even take the drink and just kind of slowly disappears in, in, in the background. And it's kind of like, she's the only one, well, not the only one, but she, the whole story of like his insanity, it plays out in her eyes. And then you have that other one shot. We have many one shots, but the other one shot, which I think was the best of the film and see if you guys agree with me. Unbelievable when she's going back up to her family's uh, apartment and like she's running and it goes right through the flames and she's going up the, the staircase, just like at the beginning of the film, but now it's all burnt to shit and it follows her all the way up and she opens the door and all that's left is that lamp, except, you know, it's their lamp not Boris's lamp. But it's like, I think mm -hmm. that lamp symbolized family or something because now her family's gone. All that's left is the lamp. Um, that whole one shot was like, truly i watched it twice it was unbelievable yeah that was incredible and just to get that set design you know like while they were going up the stairs i was just like how did how? they is this in a studio no this isn't a studio what what is happening like 
the backdrop is not a projector like that. This is really here. Wait, they made the building look like this. Like it, it's so intense. I need to see the behind the scenes here because it was so real. I know. They probably could have yeah, just gone to a building that had gotten bombed in the war. Yes. And then no, just just literally just dressed it up and then just set it on fire. It was so real. I was... They probably did that. That's probably yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, this film is like a film school. Like I feel like if I just watched this film ten times, I would be like a I would you know be a better filmmaker. Um, some 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 similarities to Wildlife. I thought of. Oh in the- damn. Yeah, let's yeah, go, Aaron. Wrote it down too. Oh, good. <laughs> well, tell, go ahead, Aaron. Take it over. Oh no, I don't, I'm not trying to steal your thunder. I think no, no, just, no, no, no. I just thought like you just, are. It was just you know, interesting that you know she leaves. I mean that he leaves, and then she has no no choice but to like seek out comfort from someone else. Yep, I had wildfire vibes the whole time. I was going to draw the the similarity with Boris, you know. Boris now suddenly had purpose for his life. It was yeah. the same situation with wildfire. Yeah. And it's like they, he's working at a factory. He's, he's not making much of his life. He feels kind of pointless, meaningless. On top of that, he has peer pressure. All his friends are going, they're all like, Hey, we're, we're going right. You're, you're excited to do this plus testosterone. Hey, I get a fight. I get to have a gun. It's going to be cool. We're going to be out there with the boys. You know, there's all these things spinning around his head, but he wants to make something of himself. This is like his chance to get the medal of honor and to be something in his country. And same with wildlife. It was like the same thing. He left his whole family. He left everything to like, go make more meaning in his life. And it's like, look what you just left behind you. So I don't think, I don't think she actually chose that guy. I think she, Unfortunately, no, she, got she got raped, and then you know they had to keep and up the best wall. ever turned to the wall. Rape yeah, scene. yeah, there you go. Wait, that's why I was figuring. His, gave it just his under eyes. A nine. It was like, where was Mark <laughs> exactly? Was that not Mark. the best uh, rape scene you've ever seen, Aaron? It was so good. I didn't think it was a rape scene. Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> oh shit, girl! Time to turn to that wall. Oh, Hell yeah. <laughs> So you no, guys think really... she got she got raped there? Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I think it was because the look in his eyes was of a, of a possessed man. He seemed possessed in that moment, and uh, it was just a, such an interesting choice to have it happen during the the airstrike, the bombing. Um, and then you had what made it seem for sure a rape scene to me was you had the mirror the 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 opacity turned down when her face was upside down and then you had broken shards of glass behind her yep so it's the like fact that he you know, carried her over broken glass yeah hmm. so everything was shattered for her in that moment yes. and that's why she stays with him is kind of like she he kind of just like takes her and like her whole family's dead. Her loved her the man she loves is is gone and possibly dead. So she's just she's dead too. She's just like, yeah, what? yeah. Take me. Yeah, I thought it was I'm well dead. done. Well done. Favorite favorite uh, rape scene, if I can say that. <laughs> number one rape scene, Aaron Man <laughs> of all time. Number one. No, I actually think that that I I, I laughed unfortunately when <laughs> when that scene came just because I thought of I was like oh well this is actually you know. The, the this is this turn to the wall works like i prefer <laughs> this turn to the wall this is actually really good 
Awesome. I love that. Um, do we have anything else, guys? Uh, I have nothing. I very much like this week. Yeah, it was it was a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, should we talk about the flowers or I don't know? Yeah, I I love this scene at the end because it it brought so many. You know, I I teared up. I was crying. It, it overtook me with emotions because it was like you couldn't help but feeling that feeling of like wow, I don't have my person. Like I lost my lover and everyone's so happy around me. And it was like so easy for her to be inside her own grief and her own head. And then she meets that man after she sees the cranes and it's like, what are your flowers for? Or, you know, where's your love? And she's like, Oh, Uh. Oh, here, uh, here, you can have a flower. And then she like starts giving out the flowers to everyone. She's like, why can't I just be happy for everyone else? Yeah, you know? where is your love? I think that's the clue right there that you yeah. just found. Yeah, yeah and taking that pain away from her and externalizing, I can give something to other people to make them feel good and to feel like, let's celebrate your moment too. It took that grief away from her and it took that pain out of her and it gave her some joy in that moment. In a way. Amelie. Yeah. She became mm-hmm. Amelie. Mm-hmm beautiful so yeah, that's where i was quick there and i wasn't with with paul and chris with like that being like you know about the collective i i didn't see that either but i i did see what you saw aaron that, that's more mm. what i was thinking yeah the the love at the Go end ahead, chris yeah so background in this movie this was uh the actress who played veronica whose name is escaping me right now i did it tatiana samalova uh this was her th- her third thing that she did her second her second thing that she did she'd been in, she had been in the theater talented. for three years and then landed a role as the mex in in the mexican which is a movie another uh soviet movie and this is her second film she killed it she carried this movie to be honest with you yeah. at the end of this it just blew out of the water and i was like you know boris was like he did his part but it wasn't like mind-blowing performance yeah. Yeah. cinematography and then, and then her this film was the only Soviet film ever to win the Palme d'Or can. Yeah, the first wow. and only, right? And yep. and and it kind of put cans on the cons on the map too. On like the international map, yeah. Yeah. So this film was is it has a huge role in cinema history, massive in 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 many many different ways. Again, I want to bring attention real quickly to uh, there was a moment in the film where I thought it was very genius in the sense that when Veronica suddenly has a second wave of hope that Boris is still alive. It kind of gives the audience a wave of hope, like, oh, maybe he didn't die. Like, I actually thought there was a chance that he was going to come back. So it was just really cool to see that done in a way where, like, the character finds hope, and I also found found hope, too. Yeah, I felt that as well, Yosh. I had that whole resurgence. Like, I was looking for his face in the crowd. Yeah. I was like, is that him? I was like... I was like, damn it, all the Russians look alike. Like, I can't find him. Is he here? So I had that that emotional, and I think maybe that's where the tears came from, was I somehow emotionally, they got me to get my hopes up again, like out of nowhere. Yeah, and then you, and then that moment is just crushing. But also it's it's like tears of joy almost in the sense that she kind of, you know, was able to channel that, alchemize that pain in that moment and really like give instead of like 
staying in her sulking mode. Um, I don't know if I don't know if guys like Tarkovsky and movies like Ivan's Childhood get made without this movie. I think this movie really set movies like that up. Like I think so. M- movies that didn't focus on the battle so much, but focused on you know the story of the people affected by the war and telling the poetry behind that. I really think that Tarkovsky probably doesn't even make Ivan's Childhood if it wasn't for this, because that was three three years later. Yeah, it was uh, what? Well, actually, yeah, about five Four, years. Yeah, five, yeah, five, five years. years, six years. But but you're right. I mean, see, ten years, we, twenty years, twenty years, twenty. years. When you talk about the grandma, you t- you realize these people probably had family that were lost, uh, you know, to the Germans and and understood, endured those hardships and, and brought that to life. And you you know to contextualize this historically, you know, Stalin is dead. You know, he's been dead since what fifty three. This movie comes out in fifty seven. Um, I don't know when Khrushchev took office, there was somebody in between them, but, you know, but you can just imagine on a film set, uh, you know, Victor Rossoff adapts a play to, to his movie. You have the actors, they sort of live this. Um, they bring all of that into this. And, you know, it's like we talked about with, uh, with Pressburger and Powell, you know, they're creating movies that are allowing people to feel things during wartime, allowing uh, British women, British wives rather to, feel something that they're, you know, if their husbands are at war, like this movie is giving me permission to feel things and I need the movie to entertain me and inform me. And that was, you know, this is it. There's no Netflix back then. We're not renting videos at Blockbuster. It's the movie. The movie is giving me permission to feel relief that we are perhaps done with an era of, you know, Russian leadership uh, Soviet leadership rather. And maybe we can all look at ourselves a little differently, of course, than, you know, we start building nuclear bombs again, but, uh, um, you know, I, it was just this movie, like you, you said it, there was just so much hope, hope for all viewing this. And, um, it's just, yeah, it's really beautiful. It really was. Um, and to close out the conversation, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think that was my favorite ever death scene of someone dying. Um, and some of my favorite ever one shots are coming from this film. So this, this really is going to be one that I revisit a lot, uh, just to study and learn from, um, wow. Uh, great. So we found another masterpiece, a unified masterpiece. And, um, Chris, did you get the image for our next show?